1: Hi, military moms. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we've got one of our favorite guests coming on today. Rob, Jody Bramer is just so great. I'm so excited to have her back on the show today.
2: She always is such a wealth, but you know, there's something about Jody's manner that just puts one at ease, and she just has so much to to uh, give us that gives us um, such a, a gentle nudge in the right direction. We love Jody.
1: Absolutely. Well, we got lots of good um, guests again this year. You know, I love how each year, um, you know, we have different waves. Like we had psychologists, psychiatrists on for a while. Then we had authors, and and uh, you know, it's just never dull here uh, on Military Mom Talk Radio.
2: I know, and you know, it's interesting because it's great when people do find the podcasts because then they give us some feedback and, and say, oh my gosh, you know, that really hit home for me, or oh, that really was something that I wasn't aware of, and the authors that we have, um, I, I have to say, some of them have really hit home, especially here at our house. Steve will read a book um, that we'll get in, and just really resonates and really does touch a very tender spot. So we're very appreciative of all of, the, um, all of the authors that we've been having on. And I hope we have a lot more. I mean, the Military Writers Society of America has just put out some amazing authors. So um, I'm, we'll have a lot more of them as the year goes on.
1: Yeah, once we get our, you know, we either they gear up in uh, September when they have their big event with their award winners, so we'll get a whole slew right. of award-winning authors to bring on the show, uh, you know, once we get closer to that date.
2: Right, right. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So everybody back to school over in your neck of the woods?
1: Everybody's back to school. My dad's back from Pensacola. He went to the Flight Museum uh, in Pensacola, oh. Florida. which was beautiful. I mean, it really, they really, it, you know, it was a top-notch event. And I got to tell you, you know, they landed, my dad and my Uncle Gary, you know, they're 80 and 81, respectively. They <laughs> land in Tampa, Florida. They drive 10 hours to Pensacola. And then they get this, you know, wild idea, you know, these two crazy senior citizens that they're going to drive over to Mobile, Alabama, to see the the alabama and uh, there was a uh submarine there that had been sunk uh in hurricane Katrina. so they were off they were so excited to go see that and you know uh be on the alabama and just be a part of history and i think you know it's such a great thing for our veterans i know we've got different flights that you know bring certain veterans to see the wall i think it's so Mm. important um, you know, that we are so um, encouraging of our veterans exploring that time in their lives, especially, you know, the the Vietnam veterans, you know, and mm-hmm. I know everybody talks about the greatest generation, but they're, you know, they're all great generations, they're all great heroes, and, you know, to have one be the greatest generation and one be not really sticks in my craw, even though my dad's a member of that generation, mm-hmm. I just think it's so important that we wholly support that time in their lives because so many of our seniors don't talk about it.
2: That's very true. Thanks for saying that, Sam, because, yes, that is something important to us too. Uh, the Honor Flight uh, program really is a wonderful program because those who are become escorts of the veterans that they're taking down, it's a gift for them as well to be able to not only experience the visit but to experience it through the eyes of the person that they're escorting what a wonderful program this is
1: it is it is and there's so many neat programs out there you know i'm so thrilled that you know we can um you know we can really uh participate in some of this stuff uh because it's it's just so great to be able to promote it, even though you know we're not, you know, eligible to ride on any of those things. They are really neat, and these programs are really cool. Um, though I tell you, my dad gets so excited every week when we go out for a hamburger, and he gets his uh, military discount. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: cool. So, what did he see at the museum? What kind of um,
1: aircraft were there on display? Oh my gosh, Rob! They had so many. Um, they had so many different. Um, so many you know different airplanes you know going from you know as far back as you know world war ii and and you know they were in beautiful condition and you know my dad is notoriously cheap but he bought the like color abridged version you know that had had pictures of all these aircraft and you know had history and stories about it and you know it was just really cool oh wow how fun that is
2: there's so much to aviation history and My husband being a uh, a pilot as well, it really is something that that's very fascinating to us. That's exciting. Say again where it is because we should plug them.
1: Yeah, it's down in Pensacola, Florida, Um, and uh, it's not you know there's a beautiful base down there, and they do a lot of you know flight training down there, and there's a big uh, naval museum down there. Oh
2: wow. So the next time we're down in Florida, we're going to have to check that
1: out. That's right. I don't know if I'll be over there any time soon. You'll be there faster than I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we all have a family thing in 2016, so <laughs> we, have to, we have to put our sights. So while we're down there in 2016, maybe we can see it. I, it would be nice if we could get there before then, though.
1: That would be cool. Either way, you know, just to be able to go is such a gift
2: absolutely absolutely and even just to be able to get to washington there's so many museums though all across the country and i think that's what's uh what's really nice you know i was kind of thinking i was earlier this afternoon how incredibly fortunate this generation is that we have such a wealth of things right at our fingertips to be able to research and be able to find whether it be something like our show where we're helping to, helping families find information or just being able to google uh, military resources or whatever and being able to find all of these things remember when we had to go to the library to do our homework and you had to make sure you had library time or get to the library and if it was snowing you couldn't get to the library you couldn't get your report done
1: or you now, got to the library and somebody checked out the book and they weren't supposed to remember that yes, one. Yes, that would happen as
2: well. Or the or it was wasn't referenced properly and you couldn't find it and somebody put the Js and the Zs and thought that that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm thinking, boy, you know, I don't think the kids nowadays fully appreciate um, what we may have have had to. Do or the the planning that you had to do just to get a report done. Nor do we, maybe in our generation, in, in my age, I'm a little bit older than you, but not much. Um, as far as the um, our parents who had to scrimp and had um, um, things rationed in World War II, we don't quite have we. We just think, oh, you need sugar, you just go buy sugar. Oh, we need coffee, we just go buy coffee. We don't think of those things having had been rationed at one point in time.
1: True, true. Well, and there's really no way, you know, that the kids can understand it, because I can't understand it. You know, I started on the computer when I was in kindergarten, Rob, so, you know, the idea that you couldn't just, you know, like, look stuff up, or, you know, process things, or, I mean, I have the handwriting of a serial killer, thanks to putting me on the computer in kindergarten, but, um, you know, I just don't think there's any way you can really, uh, you can really know what it's like to live there, and that's, in that generation and that's why, you know, like our military writers or our guests that we come on that talk about, you know, days gone by, they're so it's so, so important because that's the only reference we have left and there's such a difference. Like we saw that with the iHistory uh interviews last week, you know, we right. talked about the Worthington Foundation and what they're doing. You can look at a bunch of stills or you can hear somebody speak and tell the story that was there and it's just not even close
2: absolutely and being able to uh, hear those the, the the break in their voice when something was so important and you realize how much this has affected this person's life l- in total that the, from the day it happened on it's not just an event that happened and then was over this is something that's that people live with for the rest of their lives in one way shape or form and maybe that's something we'll bring up with Jody coming on um, how things are 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 digested, I guess you could say, because things don't go away in your mind, um, but things are definitely there and, and needing a little help for our family to put into perspective, and Dr. Jody's going to help us with that. Sam, before we go to the break, I just wanted to bring up one thing that I happened to see on Facebook. Um, Military OneSource had posted a webinar that's coming up on April 30th talking about the many faces of stress for military family caregivers, it's on April 30th. The webinar goes from 3:30 to 4:30. I don't know much more detail about this, except that it is um, a DoD. Um, the, the uh, questions go to connect.dco.dod.mil and then backslash caregiver stress if you want more information there is uh, just look up on facebook the military one source facebook page and you'll see that they do have a poster that says join us and they are invited at, inviting everyone to be a part of that so um, that's a perfect segue because, boy, if military families aren't experiencing stress every day, um, that's that's an understatement because they certainly are. And Dr. Jody is going to help us with bringing that all into perspective. Um, we've had her on many times, and I hope you've appreciated all of her visits that she has given us. She's a, ma- a licensed marriage and family therapist and um, definitely has a... Um, very significant um, benefit to many military families. She's worked as a case manager and a program coordinator and a supportive care therapist for families involved in the treatment at um, her facility. And she also um, has a lot of military in her background, so we want to make sure that we check in with what is new with Jody, and talk about some of the reintegration issues that we all face when our loved ones are finally back home with us. So do stay tuned. Dr. Jody Bramer is with us on the other side of the break here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Be back in a moment.
3: Place and a feast. Join host Vilosi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Veloci's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network.
0: It's talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talking Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the Net Radio Network. We'll put
4: a boot in your ass, it's a-
1: Hey, Military Moms. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd, and we are visiting with Dr. Jody Bramer today, and we are going to talk about uh, reintegration. That's a word that we hear a lot these days um, as people are coming home and coming back to their families. Uh, but before we get into that, Rob, I would like Dr. Jody Bramer to introduce herself to the audience. For those of you that haven't uh, been with us for a while, you can hear Dr. Jody on a lot of episodes uh, in our Uh, in our grouping at itunes also on Toginet, just look for dr jody bramer she has lots and lots of really great information uh, for military families and she herself has a lot of experience with the military personally and professionally jody i'll let you explain all that to our listeners
5: well thank you very much sandra Uh, My military background goes back to the day I was born in Bethesda Naval Hospital. My father was a Navy doctor way back in the day. Uh, He served in the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, grew up to marry a Marine pilot. Uh, I am now very happily married to a Navy retired independent duty corpsman who are generally called the docs. Uh, The doc, you know, the, the doc who's assigned to the to the military members that go out. He served three tours in Iraq and I am very very honored to be working with um, probably eighty percent of my clientele are military families uh, through Military OneSource. Um, I work with uh, the wives, the husbands, the couples, the individuals, the children in helping deal with all military lifestyle which also is general lifestyle and and issues with marriage and relationships and child rearing and and the specific challenges that go along with the military such as deployments and homecomings, reintegrations and things that are specific to just what it's like to be away from home, to be away from your family, to be in this community that is the military and uh, how unique the challenges are um, versus any other way of life. Are you there?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking,
5: like, you know, you that so perfectly. <laughs> thought I lost you guys. <laughs> right now, um, I'm I'm based in the Southern California area and I work with a lot of Camp Pendleton folk. And right now, I love this topic, Sandra and Robin, because right now we're looking at a few of our um, uh, units coming back from deployment in the month of May and June, and I've got several wives that are going through a lot of transitions right now in fin- finally getting their footing and uh, figuring out how it is to be alone for six to eight months at a time, and then to be dealing with, okay, our, our husbands are coming back. Um, what do we do? How do we exactly process this? It took us so long to get used to it, and now we are having to adjust again. And, oh boy, welcome to the military. I've got um, some some clients that are first-time-arounders and some that are very experienced. Uh, but one of the things I, I find is that no matter what deployment number it is, Every deployment is different. Every deployment is unique. And everybody's situation in going into that deployment is at a different place than it was before. If you're a first timer or you have no children, it might be different when you have children. And then you might have a different situation if the children were babies versus what do I do now that the children are older? How do I uh, make adjustments for that? Or here I've gotten really comfortable with my routine and what's going to happen when my husband comes back in and, and the routine changes and what about my friends, the ones that I've leaned on for so long and, and have spent so much time with? What am I supposed to do and what about the friends whose husbands aren't back yet? And There's a lot of very unique challenges uh, that my military families encounter, as I'm sure you both <laughs> can
3: attest to.
2: Jody I, I'm curious to know if you see a difference in the um, difficulty to adjust if someone has deployed numerous times, come home each each time and then gone back versus the ones who have longer term uh, separations and maybe do a longer tour and then come back. Uh, do you find? The, those those to be more difficult less difficult or everybody's different
5: I think everybody's different and I think mm. the tours themselves are very different it depends on what coping mechanisms you have going into it it depends on whether or not the person who's being deployed is going to a combat situation because that will introduce all sorts of different stressors than if somebody is going on what they call um uh, uh, a MU, which is a Marine Expeditionary Unit, which is basically going out to sea for a while and going to some exotic ports of call. Uh, we also have some people that are going to different places in the country, some that pose less of a risk than others, and if if you've been through it a lot, uh, each one still poses a different challenge because you might be at a different place in time and depending on how long the person has gone for or what the what the military member has encountered uh you really have to play each one by ear when they come back if they've come back from combat there's going to be different challenges than if they've come back from a mew or from um, a land-based non-hostile uh deployment
2: hmm. I can only imagine that it must be difficult coming back numerous times regardless because you've got um, your military career puts you in such a different frame of mind than when you're back home in a civilian environment.
5: Are you talking about the military member or the family? The member
2: yeah well, and of course, the family has has to uh, readjust, but i 'm just thinking of the mindset of the military member because their responsibilities when they're on duty are just completely different than um, <laughs> what we could possibly ever understand back home.
5: absolutely, and we have to also realize that even in a non combat situation. Generally speaking, and I don't mean to sound chauvinistic in any way, but most of the time it's men. When the men are off with other men, they kind of forget what it's like to come home and be with women and be with children and uh, what it's like. You can't exactly scratch your privates, or maybe you can, or um, talk the way that, that Navy sailors are so used to talking. I mean, you have to remind them, hey, uh, you're back among civilized people here.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's a challenge no matter what it is
5: is for both for both and coming back into the um, the different lifestyle the military member steps back into a role that may be familiar to him but may not exist anymore if uh, the military person comes back and is used to being the head of the household will be unto that person because the head of the household has just been running the household for the last six to eight months and things aren't exactly as they left and everybody's got to try to find their own place coming back into the reintegration and there are steps i mean this is this is understood and if you reach out and you get the help that you need or you you go to the resources available through all the military you, you can find that what the individual is going through might feel unique but is not not unique to the point that they are alone I mean, we have the honeymoon period we have the time when people come back and they're so happy to see each other or it might be awkward because they haven't seen or touched each other in such a long time and it's awkward to have that level of intimacy without having been open to each other throughout the whole deployment and then we have the nitty-gritty of well the man still has to get I'm sorry the military member has to get back to work uh, and what does the the person back home do how do they readjust to fit how their life had been into accommodating this new person this old person back into the into the schedule and of course if there are children all rules are thrown out the window cuz you're in a different place in the school time calendar you're in a different place in the vacations you're in a different place in their in their growth and their maturity and it takes a while it time doesn't stop time keeps moving forward despite the
1: deployment you know what i found interesting is is the way people change you know jody and i'd like to carry this over you know we only have a couple minutes to break um, you said something you know it when you were talking about deployments and i'm more concerned to talk about in this next segment about multiple deployments because i think everything's focused on the first deployment but Things change so much, you know, and you change so much. Like, you know, a deployment when when you're 28 and both married and single and working is so different than a deployment when you have a toddler at home or you have a five-year-old at home. I mean, that's like totally different um, deployments. Do you know what I mean? It might be the same deployment, you know for the for the deployed person but the situation is really really changed uh you know when when you get older and you have two or three deployments under your belt because you're a different person and your life is completely different
5: absolutely and it would be whether or not the people were together that whole time or not people grow and they grow in different directions but if they're growing ones on on a on a boat and ones in land and doing different things Absolutely, it, it presents even more challenges than um, than normal. And then you add combat into that, and oh my gosh! <laughs> mm. Well, it, it, it takes a, a definite degree of <laughs> compromise, communication, and personal growth.
2: That Absolutely. and I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the young one, younger ones who may have been um, just newlyweds when they were. Went off on deployment and then came home to a baby. <laughs> Talk about oh, yeah. throwing a real monkey wrench into it. They didn't have much time to get together as a couple, and then all of a sudden, um, have a new a new little one in in the midst of it. Very challenging. We're talking today with Jody Bramer. Um, she is a family therapist and provides personalized care for all of the military members and their families struggling with this specific hardships that the military incurs and isn't it true it's not just the military it's the whole family it's not just the military member we have lots more questions for jody on the other side of the break here on military mom talk radio we'll be back in a moment
0: Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these.
4: In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on DoggyNet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher, Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish Wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to Suzanne With Amish Wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at five, four central on Toginet.com.
1: Hey Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Robin Boyd and we are visiting with Dr. Jody Raymer today. For those of you that missed the first half of the show, please check us out on iTunes under Military Mom Talk Radio or the .com by the same name Military .com, or our host station in Texas, Toginet, dot .com. We are talking about deployment today, specifically how people change, how lives change, situations change with multiple deployments. Uh, Uh, Jody, I'm sure you've got some great thoughts on this.
5: Oh, absolutely. And again, just like Sandra was alluding to before, um, the number of times people have deployed, the age at which the deployments occur for both people, uh, the context in which the deployment is happening, you know, um, people going into it, there's such a resilience in military life you have to. You have to be resilient. You have to be ready to move at a moment's notice. You have to be ready for whatever is thrown. Uh, they. <laughs> this is getting into. One of the things that I used to, and I know that this is true because I hear it from my wives all the time, is when a wife will say that somebody said to them, or somebody said to me when I was military active, uh, that you knew what you were getting into. And. You knew what we you were getting into marrying a military person. That is just so wrong on so many levels. But one thing that we do know is that to stay in a military lifestyle, you have got to develop your resilience. You've got to develop your your ability to handle things on the fly and to become really good at juggling, at accepting, at even if you don't like the flow, going with the flow. Um, being a part of the team that is you and your husband and your family and it, it, in some ways it gets easier I have a lot of wives that are very concerned about the first deployment because they hear all these stories and by the third fourth or fifth deployment um, the idea of separating from the spouse aspect, except of course if they're going into combat. So they know they can do it. They gain the sense of confidence over being able to be alone, be independent, to be capable, to be in control, and in that sense the confidence will build. Uh, In a lot of times though, the deployment itself can be occurring at a very difficult time in the marriage. What happens if you deploy when when there's a pregnancy or a new baby? What happens if you deploy when there's family hardship or illness? This is a reality and it doesn't matter if it's the first deployment or the fifth or tenth God forbid the tenth deployment. Um, It has to be it has to be evaluated on its own merit it has to be judged you know the combat deployments are, are frightening on such a level above and, depending on how old you are you 're as, as Sandra, as you said at twenty three you 're not the same as you will be at thirty three or forty three Your ability to manage things, your confidence in yourself it all grows with with experience
1: well, or it just changes you know the thing is we we assume that we as we get older, we get better at things, but i 'm going to buzz in jody, and i 'm going to say. Some of us just get tired. Like, I can tell you, like, in my 30s, I could manage so much more than I can do in my 40s. And granted, in some areas of my life, I'm much better at things, but there are a whole lot of areas that I'm just done, like, been there, done that, done, done, done. And I don't have the same tolerance level, I don't have the same resiliency. And resiliency is a big part of the military family, but as we get older, you know, some of those things don't get better.
5: You are right and that poses an entire new aspect to the conflict and that's when you're you've been there, done that. Just like you said, you've been on so many the, the military members been on deployments and and <laughs> trust me, the wives are on deployments too and it's just a different mindset. And there gets to be a time where the person at home might say, "Hey, I'm done with this. I'm done having the military control me." We've done it, been there, I've been supportive, now I think it's time for us to get on with our life. And this is often what I see as a conflict of, uh, is it time to get out? Is it time to, to retire? Is it time to um, not sign the next contract? And that in and of itself is oftentimes a real struggle for families. Uh, say you're close to retirement, which is the magic 20-year mark. Or say they give early incentive, or an incentive for early retirement around the 15-year mark. Or what happens if you're at that magic 10-year mark where people are approaching and getting really close and they figure, well, if I put in 10, I may as well put in another 10 and just retire. And the wives might think, hey, when is it my time? When do I get to focus on my career? When do I get to not have to play second fiddle to what the military wants. Uh, When do we get to control our family and not anyone else? And honestly, that's 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 a really good question. And it's a lot of conflict for a lot of families at that time.
1: Yeah, I just, I you know, I see my friends going through the same thing, what they suffered in their 20s, they are not willing to suffer for anymore in their 40s. you You're Like you said, they want their time, too. And that whole thing about, you know, what you got into, oh, forget it. Nobody knows yes. what they get into, when they get into anything. Otherwise, they wouldn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm. <My advice. laughs> Jody, I'm kind of thinking in two different directions here. I'm almost wondering if... Uh, first of all, if you have somebody who is um, just beginning deployments and the spouse is a very type A person, there must be some techniques to help them be a little more flexible, a little more resilient. Then my other uh, the other way my brain was going as I was listening to you talk, there must be a very vulnerable point where people are getting tired and divorce rates start creeping up and how do you get to separate your maybe dislike for the military versus dislike for your spouse uh. and those are two totally different uh. concepts but that just opens up a whole nother conversation
5: it, it really does and i see that with 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 right you know there. are I don't even know where to start on that one. I
2: know, I gave you two (laughs) different, totally different directions.
5: I'll take the second one first. Um, It's not always the military spouse that wants to get out. Sometimes it's the military member who is tired of being away from the family, who is tired of having their life controlled, that wants to get out, and sometimes the military spouse is the one who says, hey, Listen. This is our bread and butter. This is our insurance. This is our medical. This is our paycheck. Uh, what else are we going to do? I, I, we don't have the comfort and security blanket of of the military. You can't get out, and sometimes that is is a real conflict. Um, there does have to be the communication between couples to have some sort of decision as to what the end goal is yes the military is is the the, the gospel when when you know the military man, member has to do what the military signs up for but in choosing a wife or choosing a spouse the military member also takes on the role of being a partner in a relationship and those two are not necessarily always compatible Mm. when you have to do what the military says you have to do what the military says at what point and this is for the couple themselves to discuss at what point will the needs of the family supersede or or come into play with what the needs of the military are and I think that's where a lot of hardcore conversations have to come out or there's going to be a lot of misunderstandings, there's going to be a lot of fights, there's going to be a lot of filing for divorce because people aren't on the same page. At some point, you have to allow your partner to have a say.
2: And that's not always easy because you do have that obligation. You signed up, you've got to fulfill that obligation, and but yet you have um, your whole life is usually tied up with your spouse, so that's that's got to be a very very difficult angst if if things are not flowing the way they should be flowing.
3: Oh, I'm um, really
1: tired. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Sandra, before we go to break I just wanted to give a little plug to one of our co-Toganet people um, Blythe Lipman whose show is Baby in and Instructions, is celebrating her 200th and you're going to welcome her in to her next um, millennial, I guess you could say on Wednesday morning, <laughs> 11 o'clock Eastern uh, we should invite everybody to join you Sandra, to say hi to Blythe on, on Wednesday
1: morning I think so. I'm really proud of her. I mean, you know, we're gonna get on I think this year we hit our two hundredth show. I think wow, so too. We're
2: getting up there. <laughs> so, there. Congratulations. <laughs> So we're very proud of Blythe. Uh, if you have not tuned into Blythe Lipman's show, she's uh, baby and toddler instructions, and she's on Wednesday mornings, 11 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet. Um, we're talking today with jo- Dr. Jody Bramer, and if you have any questions, either jump in on the Togi chat or uh, give us a call at 888. Um, oh, gee, I was going to give the 800 number, and I just don't know it off the top of my head. So we'll have to get that for you if you have any questions go on the togi chat we've got some people in there right now and you can uh join in on the conversations the um numbers 903-787-5887 if you have a question for dr jody we'll be back in a few minutes with dr jody she always has uh, su- such interesting conversation for us i think on the other side i would like to uh Talk a little bit about some of those techniques for some of the people who are newly uh, involved in a deployment and maybe are having a little bit of trouble with the flexibility of, of getting, um, getting used to being a separation, a separated couple and then being able to get back together again with Dr. Jody Bramer right after the break)
4: Fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search. Physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, successfullyunemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 central here on toginet.com. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? Well, pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio.
1: Hey Military Mom, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Robin Boyd and our guest today is Dr. Jody Bramer and we are talking about deployment issues, whether we are uh, pre-deployment, post-deployment, first deployment, second deployment, you name it, if it's got the word deployment in it, we're going to talk about it today. Uh, So uh, without much further ado, I'm going to put you over to Robin because you were asking some things before the break, Rob, and uh, I'd love Jody to pick up where we left off.
2: Well yes we were talking a little bit about um maybe having some techniques for those people who are just beginning to experience separation and how does one uh get a little more resilient how does one get we we keep talking about resilience but if one isn't sort of predisposed to that that might be difficult Hello Oh are you th- did you hear me Jody no, I didn't. I'm sorry. It went out for oh. a second. I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. I was saying that sometimes people may not be predisposed to being resilient, and we keep talking about um, resilience. But possibly you could give us some techniques or a little bit of of uh, guidance as far as how do we get a little more resilience?
5: Well, that that's a good question. Uh, it's not something that we're necessarily born with, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Having it happen time and time again will help, however, you're right, the first time around is a really difficult turn. Um, The best thing I could do is say to reach out and get support, and that support comes in many different ways. Uh, If you've got a good relationship with your family, reach out there, Uh, reach out to your friends for the people left behind to make lots of plans. It's very important to make plans of things to do and things to look forward to. That way they don't get caught up in simply the missing uh, of, of the person. It's important to learn to um, figure out things that you can grab onto and, and hold on as a life raft and, and maybe investigate some some hobbies or classes or uh, things that you wouldn't necessarily have done with your spouse around. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, what if you want to take a class in something? That's a wonderful time to do that. Uh, I, I think I'm jumping ahead of myself though because what do you do when you actually get the news? You're going where? Mm-hmm. And the person <laughs> has to, to deal with that. And You know, they call it a deployment cycle for a reason. It's a cycle. It starts it circles and it comes back around again so that even when the when the person comes back home there will be another call for deployment down the line that's why it's called a cycle because it'll happen over and over again now when you first get the notice there are certain things that happen in the cycle Uh, You know there's the denial there's the anger there's the bargaining well maybe they don't have to send you and there's the depression of oh my god what am i going to do and there's some very practical things that people can sink their teeth into right off the bat and that's figuring out what you know you can fall apart all you want you can crumble you can you can fall on the floor later but there will be some things that need to be done when you first hear that that's gonna, that the deployment is going to occur this is the time to kind of go into, all right, what do I need to do? What needs to be done? What kind of list do I need to make? What are some practical things that need to be done? What do, what do, do I need to have taken care of before he goes? What do I need to have in process? What what bills do I need to pay? What What is going to be happening? What do I need to plan for? Um, the emotional distancing is, is also something to look for. To to anticipate uh, the the idea that mm-hmm. it's easier to say goodbye to someone if you aren't terribly emotionally invested, which is sometimes a pattern that we see with with our with our couples that they start pulling away or they start sniping at each other or everything starts getting on their their nerves because it's so much easier to say goodbye if I don't like you. <laughs> go, go because right. I don't <laughs> like you right now, and if I love you too much, it's going to be too hard to say goodbye. So. We emotionally distance ourselves as part of our natural self protection. Uh, it serves a purpose. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a necessary aspect of being able to function and move forward rather than to be a blithering blob of puddle, water, tears on the floor. But there will be some things that need to be done, and you have to mm-hmm. think of the things that need to be done. What, what, what are the lists? Let's make up lists. Let's figure out what needs to be done. And then to do the opposite of your natural inclination, which is to push that person away, but to hold on to them, to to take what I call mental photographs, to take mental pictures, and to to um, the, to the enjoy the moment with this person, to sit down on the couch and watch a show and look over at them and say to yourself, I'm going to miss this, but I've got it right this second. So... Let me remember this. Let me remember what it's like to have him sitting next to here and, and what it's like to see him smile or to have him look over at me and then to remember how important this is when he's gone because this is what I'm going to hold on to. This is These are the mental snapshots. Going out grocery shopping. Uh, what is that like with, with him? Let me watch him play with the kids on the floor. Let me see him studiously putting his uniform together because this is the man that I love and this is what I what I want to hold on to and realizing that although it's our inclination to distance ourselves and our inclination to be angry um... we can be angry at at the military we could be angry at God we could be angry at our government we could be angry at at our our spouse you know how could you do this how could you leave me the emotions are normal emotions it's part of the grieving process and we do grieve we do grieve when we know that our beloved person is not going to be with us. We grieve when we have empty nest syndrome, even if everything's going to be fine, when our kids go away. The grieving part comes with the territory, but the reality is there's things that need to be done. We are going to miss this person. Let's be open and honest about it. Let's say what we need from the other person while we're gone. Uh, There's only a certain amount of communication that you can actually do, I mean, there will be rules and regulations as far as accessing Wi-Fi or sending texts or being able to talk with people on the phone. There there will be limitations, mm-hmm. and these need to be discussed because it's it's wrong for a spouse to think, well, I'm going to be able to talk to him every morning and every night because that just may not happen. Mm-hmm. And if one of their friends is getting a call and they're not, then they start getting angry at their spouse. Well, why aren't you calling me? Uh, so-and-so down the, down the road got a call from their spouse they have to realize that every situation with every military member wherever they're going is unique and just because Joe Smith down the street was able to call home doesn't mean that my husband will and we have to realize that we miss them and they they want to contact us as much as we want to contact them and in learning to distance ourselves We have to fulfill our life with things that matter here and now. And that means distracting. That means engaging. That means bringing in the troops, calling in our friends, calling our family if they are supportive, finding things that interest us, find Mm -hmm. things that make us feel whole and complete without requiring or needing our spouse to complete us. It's what separates a military person from a non-military person is that sense of independence that we are forced to find within ourselves as well as pick up all the loose ends of things that are <laughs> are, are left behind. It's up to us. Our children will look out at us and see how we're coping and, and take their cues from us. And we need to at least put on a front, you know, fake it till you make it, and then eventually you will make it. And it's a question of gathering every support system available. And for all the military people that are listening, I hate to give a plug again, the Military One Source, but oh my God, this is a wonderful time to reach out and use all of the resources that the website provides and that so many military websites provide. They, they come up with ideas, suggestions resources, legal help, um, financial help, um, even things if you're new to the area and your husband is deployed, where do you go shopping, where do you go banking, all the practical things that need to be done.
2: I think, too, so many times um, there are opportunities, say, either either through the National Guard or the uh, family um, outreach type things. Maybe it might be the VA. Maybe it might be Girl Scouts. It, you, you can become involved with organizations, and even though you might not be able to give them a year-long commitment, you um, may be able to just do some short-term things with each of these organizations. And I think once you have purpose uh, and, and have that control, say over those elements, then it's easier for you to deal with the things that are out of your control because then you're not totally stressed because you at least do have that um, that uh, conquer conquering of that one element in your life so that when something else happens like a deployment or like someone not coming home when they're supposed to, um, it's a little bit easier to to deal with, so I hope Absolutely. that that's, that's even true. Facebook.
5: Facebook has tons of, of pages for right. for support and military military spouses, and and volunteering your time, just as you're suggesting, volunteering mm-hmm. to to even uh, an animal shelter or something that gives sure. you a sense of completion or or satisfaction or or joy or just con- just contributing makes your gives you a purpose absolutely jody we've come to the end of the
2: show and i hate to say goodbye for today but i do hope that means it will have you another day
5: (laughs) absolutely and and if uh, if anybody needs me i'm at www.jodybramer.com that's j-o-d-y-b-r-e-m-e-r.com and i love being on the show robin thank you so much for inviting me
2: we always love you, Jody, and we appreciate all that you do for our military families. Thanks to uh, Walter Thank and Steve, who were in the chat room as well. And I want to encourage everybody to join us next week. We have Lisa Dietrich joining us, uh, she is our Women of Faith correspondent and we have marion webster talking about energy healing for ptsd i do hope you'll join us we always love hearing from you and we will be back next week on military mom talk radio have a great week everyone